KMTT Ki Mitzion Tetzay Torah. Today is Tuesday, Yom Shlishi Chafhei Biyar, and today's Shiur will be given by Rav Moshe Taragin. The Essentials of Avodat Hashem. Today's Shiur is dedicated L'Rufuah Shlema for Chaya Rivka Bat Shein Losara. May the Koshporchu should send her. Recuperation and good health. The merit of the learning of Torah of all the people who are learning through KMTT should help her. Should give her Baracha, Batzlacha, Vufuashlema. After the Shia of Avtar again, I'll be back with the Hazachayomit. Last week's shear introduced the various precedents for tefillah. The Gemara in Brachos locates three different precedents. The Gemara in Brachos Chavav. The precedent of Avos, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov who davened, and the precedent of daily korbanos, which were offered in Beis HaMikdash. Each of these experiences are necessary precedents in building a complete and rich opportunity of davening. Had the precedent of the Avos been invoked in the absence of any precedent of Korbanos, we may have imagined that unique surpassing individuals who had achieved great unparalleled spiritual heights in their relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, for them, tefillah may have been an option. But for ordinary, common man, flawed and limited, blemished morally, perhaps tefillah, speaking and encountering a Kodesh Baruch Hu, would have seemed preposterous. Korbanos democratize the tefillah experience. Specifically, the Korban Tamid Shal Bokir, Shal Shacharis, Karban Tamit, Shal Ben Harbayim. These were community korbanos offered on behalf of the entire people. And invoking their precedent reminds us of the universal democratic nature of tefillah. Ki beisi, beis tefillah yikare l'chol ha'amim. But alternatively, had merely their korbanos served as the foundation, the historical foundation or warrant for tefillah, Perhaps it would have been too structured, too regimented, and too disciplined. Indeed, Karbanos endow regimentation and discipline to Tfilos. It is that strict and inflexible framework which reminds us that Tfilos is an encounter with a truly transcendent being rather than merely a self-fulfilling experience of catharsis. But it would have been too structured, too formal, too sterile, too empty of any human element or human tongue, of any human spirit reflecting the tumultuous human condition. And therefore, tefillos were modeled upon the experience of the Avos as well. Each of the Avos davened in a different manner, at a different stage of their lives and their career, and by extension, each of their tefillos represents a different element, a different facet of our own tefillos. Chazal say that Avraham davened Shacharis, Yitzchak davened Mincha, and Yaakov davened Mariv. 
Same Gemara in Brachos Chavav, which I cited last week. So already Chazal differentiate their tefillos. They didn't daven at the same time of the day. Presumably the morning is a more hope-filled davening. The afternoon is a davening in the midst of industry. The evening is a davening when hope has been laid to rest. When the day has been shut down and collapsed, perhaps a davening of faith to pass through the frightening and challenging night. But not only is the timing of their davening different, of their prayer. Seemingly, the orientation, the function, and these distinctions can be best grasped or discerned by inspecting the different verbs which the Torah includes to describe their davening. In Bracious Yudes, Avram's davening is described by the term Ahmad. Vayashkem Avraham Baboker El Hamakom Asher Ahmad Sham Hashem. The Gemara in Brachos, Dav Chavav, interprets Ein Amida Elatfila. Avram's davening is the first step, the first stairway, the first level of prayer is captured in the verb of Amida. The primary experience of davening is a nonverbal one. It can't be captured by words or speech, but by space and presence. Avraham stood in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What did he say? We don't know. What could he say? This Pasuk in Bereshis, Yutes, describes Avraham returning to his place of prior davening after Stom and Amora had been annihilated, had been eliminated. No more negotiations or petitions, no more prayers and supplication. I'm sure Avraham had things to say that morning, had emotions to share with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, perhaps frustration, despair, sadness, hope. But the words which Avram spoke that morning were not recorded by the Torah, nor was any posture or experience of speaking recorded. The Torah merely records that he went back to the same place which he stood the day before praying and pleading on behalf of the people of Stom and Amara. The first step to Tfila is to recognize the capacity of the human being to stand in front of the Malach Machayam Lachim, in front of the Kisya Kavur. Very often, the Talmud asks me for hints to improve Tfila. I mentioned at the beginning of last week's year that the Baal Shem Tov was noted for saying, telling his Talmudim, that if any Rebbe suggests a foolproof solution to Kavana during Davani, you should know he's a faker, because it doesn't exist. But nonetheless, what are the hints, what are the tactics which a person can begin to adopt to try even slightly to improve tefillah? My response is always the same. At the beginning, forget the words. Not to forget them, obviously they must be spoken, but very often people will think that by picking up a new sefer or understanding a deeper meaning to the words or a deeper translation, perhaps their tefillah will be correspondingly improved. Sometimes the first step for tefillah is just recognizing as much as possible, as long as possible, as intensely as possible, channeling into the fact that you are standing in the presence of a Kaddish Baruch maintaining that awareness. And this, I believe, is the spirit of the Gemara in Brachos. The Gemara in Brachos, Chavches Beis, records several deathbed scenes, several moments in which members of Chazal were about to depart, 
and their students visited them. And their students requested final nuggets of wisdom, of instruction, of insight. The Gemara, re- the Gemara records just such a conversation between Rebeliezer and his Talmidim. Tana Rabbanon. They entered to visit him. Teach us the ways of life. Teach us pathways to success. So he offered the following guidance. Be sensitive to respect and honor. But Yeshiva Torah... Be sensitive to honor and to respect other Tamil Chachamim, other B'nai Torah, who perhaps have slightly different approaches. Manu B'neichem Minehigayon, a very controversial statement to protect your children from studying Tanakh too extensively, as Rashi interprets, for all sorts of reasons. V'hoshivam ben birchei Tamil Chachamim, expose them sufficiently to Tamil Chachamim. Torah is not just learned, religious growth is not just achieved in abstract but through contact with real, live individuals who can model and impassion us with Torah. And finally, he instructed them, Recognize and maintain as intensely as possible the sense of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence. And of course, the Pasuk about Avraham Echoes throughout this Gemara and Brachos, Asher Amacham. Eliezer chose the language of this Pasuk in Parshas Vayera, Omdim, the Gemara and Brachos on Chavav, Ein Amida Elatvila. Eliezer encourages Talmidim to see in space, in presence, the encounter with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which Tvila facilitates as the cornerstone of davening. Parshas Vayera represents a very important moment in religious history. Vayera lav Hashem belone mamre, uyoshev pesach ha'ol kachom hayom. Why did Hashem come to Avraham? He had dispatched various malachim to perform all sorts of tasks, to heal, to imprise Sarah of the pending birth, to destroy Sodom and to save Lot. Why did Hashem have to come? The answer is Hashem came to, came to come. This was the first moment in religious history in which man experienced a direct encounter with Hashem. Previously, God had spoken to man, had warned him, had sworn to him, had entered treaties with him, had promised him, had frightened him, punished him. There were moments of contact, but revelation on a personal level and encounter had yet to exist. Now that Avram has a bris mila, he can achieve a state of tamim, he is complete in a level of completion a spiritual perfection which only Mila can confer now he has the privilege of experiencing and immediately Hashem fulfills that opportunity Parshas Vayera begins with revelation Parshas Vayera concludes with encounter and revelation Bahar Hashem Yeraya the original name of Yerushalayim, Yeraya, Yerushalayim. Of course, the only difference is that in the beginning of Parshas Vayera, at the dawn of religious history, God appears to man. 
As religious history unfolds and emerges, man has to find and seek and to pursue God. Avram has to depart from Iloni Mamre, from civilization, from his home, from his community, and ascend the mountain of Haramaria to discover Hashem. It takes human effort. But the final stages of Avram's career, detailed in Parshas Vayer of his prophetic and revelatory career, describe this evolving encounter with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the day after stone was destroyed, that moment of encounter was sustained. And this forms the first and primary element of tefillah. The Gemara in Brachos, Davavam and Beis, states as follows, Amar Rabbi Chelbo, Amar Rav Huna, Kol HaKoveya Makom so, whoever establishes a permanent place of tefillah, Elokei Avraham bi Ezro, the God of Avraham assists him. Uchashemes, and when that person passes, Omrimlo, they say about him, E Anav, a humble person, E Chasid, a pious person, Mitalmidav shall Avraham Avinu. He is a pupil, he is a disciple of Avraham Avinu. And the Gemara continues, Rabbi Chalvo continues, Avraham Avinu How do we know that Avraham established a permanent place? Tachsiv Vayashkim, Avraham Baboker. El Hamakom Asher Amad Sham, Ve'ein Amida Ela Tefila. So Avram's Tefila spins off the element of Kviyas Makom of Makom Kavor for davening. One of the great challenges of davening in the modern era is the way that our space and location has changed. A hundred, hundred and fifty years ago, perhaps, our ancestors, our grandparents davened almost every single tefillah of their lives in the same building on the same bench next to the same people and davening is so much more than just ideas and concepts communication, piety and fervor it is first and foremost space, it's spatial proximity to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that three times a day a person slightly, slightly suspends his activity, his emotional world, and channels it to a spiritual encounter, to heightened consciousness. Today, more often than not, our tefillos are scattered, are dispersed, or diffused across so many different locations. We grab tefillos based on convenience and schedule constraints, and sometimes spatial continuity is obliterated. Unfortunately, modernity does not allow us, perhaps, other choices. But if we have those opportunities to consolidate our prayer in one location, it can certainly enrich and enhance the experience of davening. It's very poignant that Avram returns to the same location a day after Stom has been destroyed. He still sees the smoldering ruins. How different was his state of mind the day before where hope and possibility for redemption still abounded. A day later, despair, frustration, and pity consumed him. Yet he stood in the same place. The relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu continued, superseded circumstances, history, emotional state of Avraham. He stood in the same place and interacted with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Not only are our tefillos scattered in the modern era, 
But our whole concept of space has been altered. What does space really entail in a global village where geography in a physical sense may be less important? Part of our reclaiming of tefillah is to reconstitute that sense of space, location. And that's why a person who is able to maintain kviyas makum, makum kavua, whether in the literal sense, which is something that should be aspired towards, or in the figurative sense, he's considered a student of Avraham. And the God of Avraham supports his experience of prayer. Not the God of Yitzchak, not the God of Yaakov, but the God of Avraham. Tefillah has that communal element because space is enhanced by a communal setting. Much easier to conceive of space and location as a communal space rather than personal, individual space. The Gemara in Brachos, Dav Chesamar Aleph, claims that whoever does not daven properly, Gemara's in Brachos, Dav Chesamar Aleph, Whoever has the opportunity to attend the shul and passes on that opportunity, is considered a poor neighbor. The Gemara casts tefillah as a communal or civic responsibility. So part of the civic nature of tefillah b'tzibur is, of course, to support tefillah for others. Each person decides to come to tefillah based on personal schedule, to attend minion based on personal convenience. The tefillah will collapse. People need to say Kaddish. Kriya Satara needs to be read. A minion needs to be sustained. And it's very easy for individuals to discharge or defer those responsibilities to others. And that's poor civic um, ethic. Proper civic ethic is to shoulder communal responsibilities. But beyond the literal municipal element... Tefillah, beyond the technical need to support the tefillah, the sense of community which enables tefillah and which by extension tefillah reinforces is something which this Gemara alludes to. So although Avraham prayed individually, he conceived of the role of space in tefillah, modeled it for us, and this forms the first facet and the primary facet of tefillah. Space, and as I mentioned earlier, space encounter with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even if the words are less a focus of a person's davening. Obviously, davening can't remain silent, but perhaps the first stage of recovering meaning in tefillah is maintaining that continued sense of encounter with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yitzchak's tefillah, the second tefillah, was very different. In Parshas Chayesara, as Sarah returns from Aram Naharayim with Eliezer, in Parak Chafdalid, the Torah writes, Vayetze Yitzchak Lasuach Basada, Lifnos Erev, Vayisayna Vayar Vineg Malim Baim. That same Gemara in Brachos Chavav interprets, Vayetze Yitzchak Lasuach Basada, the Gemara in Brachos, to convince us that Sicha is a terminology of Tefillah, a famous Pasuk in Tehillim Perak Kuf Beis, 
Tfila Leoni Kiyatov, Vilifnei Hashem Yishboch Sicho. Or a parallel pasuk in Tehillim Kuf Mem Gimel, Eshpoch Lefanav Sichi, Sarasi Lefanav Agid. Two pasukim in Tehillim, each of which corroborate the term Sicha as a reference to Tefillah. At a literal level, Sicha means talking, conversation. The second element of tefillah is that it should be a conversation between the human being and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Very often, as I mentioned earlier, when counseling Talmidim for tefillah, steps in tefillah, so I'll be faced with the following question. I can't focus on my davening because I'm perturbed or disturbed by so many other thoughts and worries and concerns and emotions and I can't rid myself of these emotions which press on my soul so that I can daven properly. My response is that those emotions and those issues and struggles should form the content of your tefillah. Whatever is on your heart, whatever fears and hopes, dreams, gratification, joy, that should serve as the emotional fuel for a rich and vibrant tefillah. In case your emotions, whatever they may be, within the appropriate elements of tefillah, person has significant needs, so shma koleinu, should encase or encapsulate those needs. Person feels redeemed, so the bracha of gula, personal gula, should perhaps touch upon the satisfaction of personal redemption. Success in business, perhaps should animate baruch Tefillah provides a very rich and diverse landscape to allow various emotions within the human heart to be expressed through the classic liturgy of Anshay Knesset Hagadola. Casting tefillah as sicha is an attempt to deformalize tefillah. There aren't emotions which are expected But whatever emotions emerge within the daily affairs and daily experience should be incorporated within tefillah. That is why, in Yitzchak's instance, the Torah intentionally describes where the tefillah took place. We don't really know where Avraham davened. Presumably some mountaintop overlooking Stom and Amara. But the Torah describes his location as Makom. Vayashkem Avram Baboker and Bracious Yutes El Hamakom Asher Amadsham. Whereas in Yitzchak's instance, we know first of all where he davened in a more specific sense. Vayetze Yitzchak Lasuach Basada, he davened in the field. And of course, we're reminded that it was Lifnos Erev. Yitzchak davens within the field. The field in Yitzchak's instance being the field of industry, of planting, of agriculture. Yitzchak really was a man of the field. He was the only one of the Avos to engage in agriculture. Avraham and Yaakov were shepherds, respectively. They roamed the land of Canaan as nomads, as wanderers, shepherds take from the land, but don't plant and build the land. 
And part of their role as shepherds reflected the 400 years of Galus, which had already begun, not geographically, they were still in Eretz Yisrael, but Avram left, of course, before Brisbane Abbasarim, but he was forced out of Eretz Yisrael for a moment. In the beginning of Parshas Lech Lecha, of course, Yaakov is evicted from Eretz Yisrael in two instances in his life. But even when they were in Eretz Yisrael, their sovereignty wasn't complete. And this was the initial stage of Galus, which HaKadosh Baruch had promised. Shem promised Avram during the fa- famous Brisbane Abbasarim that the Jewish people would be in exile for 400 years, Arba Me'ashana. And of course, they were only in exile, literally, in Mitzrayim for 210 years. Because the first 190 years, they lived in Eretz Yisrael, but they couldn't extend their sovereignty where they wanted and how they wanted. Unfortunately. And there were nomads and wanderers. Yitzchak was a farmer. He established the first homestead. He wasn't forced to leave Eretz Yisrael. Gur Baritz, Shon Baritz, Hashem tells him. Yitzchak's affiliation and affinity for field and agriculture perhaps made him more biased towards Esav, who was an Ish Sadeh. And part of his being blinded by Esav was that Esav excelled in hunting and other aspects of field and farm life. And Yitzchak was naturally drawn to this. For Yitzchak, Sadeh represents the professional sphere, the world of industry. Mincha typically is davened within our daily routine, within our daily work schedule, more or less. Within our daily activity, physical and emotional. That sense of being offered within the sada is not just timing chronologically when the tefillah is offered, but existentially. The tefillah should stem from human experience. A sicha is an informal conversation between two friends. Yitzchak is walking in this field, perhaps as the sun begins to set, the cool winds towards the end of the day in Eretz Yisrael start refreshing humanity from the oppressive heat of the afternoon. He takes a walk with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, figuratively, and he shares his sicha, he shares whatever emotions, whatever issues rest on his heart. It's a deformalization of tefillah. It's a very interesting Gemara in Avodah Zarah, Davzayin The Gemara says, Rebeliezer Omer, Rebeliezer says, Shawel Adam Tzrachav, V'yacharkach Yispalel. First a person should request his need, and then he should daven. Rabbi Yeshua Omer Yispalel. First, he should daven. And then he should request his needs. The Gemara cites the Machlokas between Rabbi Yezir and Rabbi Yeshua. The Machlokas reflects the contrast, the discrepancy between Tehillim Kuf Beis and Tehillim Kuf Mem Gimel. In Tehillim Kuf Beis, the word Tfila appears before the word Siach. Tfila Liani Kiyatov V'lefne Hashem Yishpach Sicha So Tfila precedes Sicha. In Tehillim Kuf Mem Gimel Sicha precedes Tfila. Eshpach Lefanav Sichi Tsarasi Lefanav Agid So based on these differing sequences, 
Ezra and Yeshua adopt different chronologies or different sequencing for tefillah. But in each instance, they recognize a difference between She'elas Tzrachim, which is connoted by the word tefillah, and tefillah, which is connoted by the word sicha. Namely, there are two components to tefillah. One is She'elas Tzrachim, requesting needs, specific petitions, whether they be individual, communal, historical. But beyond specific requests, they each recognize a separate component of tefillah, referred to as sicha. Not she'elas tzrachim, but sicha, and in fact, each of them paraphrase this concept of sicha as real tefillah. She'elas tzrachim versus tefillah. Rebbe says, Sho'el adam tzrachav v'achar kach yispalel. First, he should request his tzrachim, his needs, and then he should daven. Rabbi Yoshua says first he should daven his sicha and then he should request his needs. But each of these opinions in Avodah Zarah confirms the independent aspect of sicha within our overall tefillah of incorporating the emotional state into our tefillahs. Sharing our fears, our hopes, our dreams, our interests, our frustrations, our struggles with the Ravona Shalom. The third component to tefillah is evoked by Yaakov's tefillah. In many respects, Yaakov's tefillah was the most bold and the most different from all the other tefillahs. In Parshas Vayetze, a penniless, betrayed, expelled brother, Yaakov, flees from the murderous conspiracy of Esav, Precious Perak Chavches Pasuk Yud Aleph. Vayifka b'makom vayolen sham kiva hashemesh. Vayikach me'avnei makom vayosem mirashosav vayishkav b'makom hahu. The verb which the Torah employs to describe Yaakov's tefillah is the term vayifka b'makom. Or as the Gemara in Brachos Chavav establishes, Yaakov tikein tefilas arvis shenemar vayifka b'makom vayolen sham v'ein pegia ela tefila. Avraham's tefila is captured by the term amad ein amida ela tefila. Yitzchak's prayer is conveyed by the term lasuach ein sicha ela tefila. Yaakov's tefila is described as pegia. Ein pegia ela tefila. What does the term pegia mean, and what component of tefila does it establish? The word pegia, livgoa, means to impact, to affect, to change. It could be to change and impact in a very hostile and traumatic manner. Unfortunately, we've been exposed in Eretz Yisrael to the phenomena of a pigua, of a terror attack, which is, of course, the most vicious impact upon another human being and human dignity. But, of course, pigia can refer to any form of impact or change which a person produces upon another. In Bereshis, Perich of Gimel, Avraham pleads with the people 
of B'nei Ches. Shma'uni, he begs them, listen to my request. And arrange a meeting, but it's not just arranging a meeting, but allow me to confront, perhaps not in a hostile manner, but in a negotiating stance, Ephron ben Salchar. And ultimately, Avraham is Pogea. Ephron ben Salchar, he meets him and he persuades him to sell him Ma'aras HaMachpelah. Yaakov was the first of the Avos to establish the notion, or at least the first recorded notion, that tefillah can actually change HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will, can impact Lahavdil. The human being has an impact upon HaKadosh Baruch Hu through his tefillahs. How he does and why we do, that's of course something which is beyond our comprehension. How the Malach Malchayim Lachim, the creator of our world, the transcendent, invisible, unknowable being is impacted by human prayer. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu programmed his world and our relationship with him, premised on the notion that our tefillos can have impact. Moshe Rabbeinu rescues Am Yisrael from annihilation through his tefillos. Hashem listens to our tefillos and is altered by our tefillos. Sometimes we understand the answer, sometimes we don't understand the answer. But our tefillos impact HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Franz Kafka once said that prayer doesn't impact God, it merely impacts the person who prays. To a degree, Judaism adopts something of the reflexive nature of prayer. In fact, the verb to pray is articulated in a reflexive grammar. Person isn't mifalel, but is mispalel. To a degree, prayer does act as a catharsis of self, as a cleansing of the human spirit, as a venting of the need to speak to God and to encounter God. But that is not the totality of prayer. Prayer, davening, is a tool which Akurish Baruch Hu empowered us with to pray, to request, and to determine to a degree to dictate the laws of providence, the laws of Hashkacha. When Yitzchak Davin, there was really nothing in particular he was davening for. His life at that point was not in crisis or under duress. There was no particular need in Parshas Chayisara, which Yitzchak prayed for. Ditto with Avram. The day before, Avram had prayed on behalf of an entire metropolis, an entire civilization. But that tefillah, ironically, wasn't recorded. The tefillah of Avraham, which is recorded in Parshas Vayera, the precedent of Avraham is a post, the aftermath, the day after the destruction of stone. Avraham had nothing to ask of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He merely wanted to identify and encounter Hashem to sustain that encounter, as I mentioned before, throughout the vicissitudes of the human experience. But in Parshas Vayetze, Yaakov has everything to fear. An uncertain future, no support, no family as far as he knew, who would never return to Eretz Yisrael at that moment before he had this epiphanious dream. Who would he marry? Who would support him? Would he have a family? Would he still be part of Jewish history? Yaakov davened with a sincerity and urgency that can only and can best be captured by the term Vayifgaba Makom. 
ויאלן שם. Interestingly enough, Yaakov so deeply identifies with this form of tefillah that he refers to it towards the end of his life. Before he distributes brachos to all the Shvatim, he calls Yosef in for a private audience and he promises him a unique share in the land of Israel. Traditionally, he offers him the city of Shechem, where Yosef's grave is. He writes, the Torah writes in Brashas Memchas, Pasach Havbeis, Shechem Echad Alachecha, Asher Lakachti Miad HaMori, the city which I seized from the Amoraim, Pecharbi Uvekashti, with my bow and with my arrow. Referring to a, a war which took place over the city of Shechem, surrounding, of course, Leah's encounter. Leah's um, being raped, excuse me, not Leah, Dina's being raped by Hamor ben Shechem. However, Unklos interprets Yaakov's description of seizing the city of Shechem. He interprets the words Becharbi uvekashti as not referring to his literal bow and arrow, but in the words of Unklos, Bitsalosi uvivausi. Tzalosi is an Aramaic description of prayer, as is the word bivausi. Comes from the word to request. Boy means to ask. and Gemara means to ask. Yaakov mentioned that he sees Shrem through prayer. It's to remind Yosef that it's not just force and might, but the prayer. During that crisis, allowed him to see Shechem. Interesting that Yaakov uses military terms. A bow and an arrow, a cherev and a kashti. Not a bow and an arrow, a cherev is actually a sword. A cherev is a sword and a kashti is a bow and arrow. He employs military terminology to describe his tefillos. Yaakov was the first to daven, or at least the first recorded davening, which he sought to impact HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Ratzon. And the metaphor of military arms is an appropriate one. The Gemara in Brachos on Daflamid Beis describes Moshe's prayer in the aftermath of the Egel debacle. Vayechal Moshe's Pene Hashem Amar Rebbe Lazar Malameid Sha'amad Moshe Betzfilu Lefnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ad Shehechleu Moshe stood in prayer until he made HaKadosh Baruch Hu ill the Rav Amar Achehefer Lo Nidro, until he rescinded God's nether, from the word Bayachel, Vayechal. According to Rav Lazar, the word Vayechal stems from the word Chola. He made Hashem, as it were, sick. Rav suggested Moshe forced Hashem to rescind his nether. Rabbanan Amri, the Gemara continues, Malamit Shadam Rama Moshe Fekarish Baruchu, Chulin Hulach. It should be unthinkable, it should be distant from you to perform such an act of destroying Am Yisrael. There are differences and nuances between a Belazar statement, Rava's statement, the Rabbanan statement, other interpretations cited by the Gemara and Daflamid Beis, but the common denominator is that this was an aggressive, assertive tefillah. Moshe stood in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu with a purpose, the ultimate purpose, rescuing Jewish history. And he went to war, as it were.
Of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted him to. HaKadosh Baruch Hu solicited this tefillah, this response. But tefillah is a militant encounter with the Rabboni Shalom, as it were, who wants us to be desperate and urgent and plead our case on a personal and national level. And Yaakov was the first of the others to capture this. Vayifka makom, ein Vayechal Moshe, he turned HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will. He transformed HaKadosh Baruch Hu in some way, shape, or form. And Moshe davens in the manner first captured by Yaakov's verb, Vayifka makom. These are three elements amongst many of tefillah, which evidently are primary enough to be encoded into the tefillahs of the Avos. The first facet of tefillah is space, an encounter. Beyond, before words, to maintain the channel between human and God. The second element is to incorporate the emotional landscape of human experience into the religious encounter. The third element, is to remember, as difficult as it seems, conceptually, and as depressing as it may be from time to time when we don't understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu's response, that our tefillos do have the capacity to impact Hashem. And Hashem does answer our tefillos, perhaps not in the way in which we had expected. And for today's Halacha Yomit, we started Chazarat Hashatz. When the Chazan says Chazarat Hashatz, he repeats the Shmon Esrei. We say Kedusha in Shacharit and Mincha. Kedusha, meaning sanctification, is considered to be the fulfillment of the verse, V'nikdashti betoch b'nei Yisrael. And I shall be sanctified, God is speaking, and I shall be sanctified in the midst of the children of Israel, meaning that the Jewish people have a role, have a job, have a task to sanctify the name of God. God's sanctification belongs to God. He's holy because He's holy, but nonetheless, God says it's not enough to be holy in, in heaven. The holiness of God is expressed by the fact that the world accepts the yoke of heaven, and the Jewish people, that's their role. Almost all can state that halacha lemaisa saying Kedushah is a rabbinic obligation and not meteorite. It's connected to this Pasuk, but the Pasuk doesn't mean you have to say Kedushah. It is worth noting that in the Kabbalah, it's considered to be a Chiyub Deraita. That's where it will appear from the Sefer Zohar. And many Mekubalim state, based on the Sefer Zohar, they think saying Kedushah is a Deoraita obligation, obligation from the Torah. But again, but halachically, the opinion of all the Poskim, almost all the Poskim, is that it's the Rabbanan. How does one say Kedusha? From the Shulchan Aruch and the Beit Yosef and many, many of the Rishonim, it's clear that Kedusha was said by the Chazin saying Nekadesh or Nekdishcha and when he got to the end of that line Vekara Ze El Ze Ve'amar the Congregation answered by saying the verse Kadosh 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 Hashem Tzvakot Malochol Aretz Kivodo. Same thing with the second verse. He would say Lu Umatam Baruch Yomeru, and they would answer 
ברוך כבוד השם במקומו. כי הוא צייב דורי קודשך כתוב לאמור, ואני לא רואה את זה, ימלוך. ימלוך השם לעולם, אלוקייך ציון לדור ודור הללוקה. And that in fact is the way the Shulchan Aruch states the way it should be said. Nor does the Rama state anything different. However, the Minag in all of all shuls, in all Kral Yisrael, is that the Tzibur says Nikadesh and Nakdishcha as well. And in most places they also, they also say the lines in between the, the verses. Lumatam Baruch Yomeru same thing on Shabbat, where there's, there are longer connecting lines between the Psukim, etc. And this is said by the Tzibur. This is based on the opinion of the Avi. And at least in this case, it is spread to being the Kamin Minak. Nonetheless, in principle, the Psukim explain that Kedusha is meant to be call and response. In general, the Vashu B'Kedusha, like Baruchu, like Kaddish and Kedusha, the Chazan calls out to the congregation to sanctify God's name, and then they do so. And therefore, although Nevi would appear that he, he, what he meant was that the congregation and the Chazan would say Nikadesh at Shemcha together, but the minute generally, in Ashkenazi communities for sure, and sometimes in Spadi communities as well, is that the congregation says the Kadesh before the Chazan. And the reason is in order to preserve the fact that the Chazan will call to them. So what happens is that they say the Kadesh, because they want to say the Kadesh, that's the minute. They say, we will sanctify God. But the, the halachic structure is that the Chazan says to them, the Kadesh, or Nakdishcha. And then they answer to that call. And therefore, the proper way to do it is the chazan should wait until the entire congregation has finished saying the opening line. And then, so they can hear him, he says, the first word is the crucial word here. Because he's calling them to do so. Nikadesh, let us sanctify God's name as is written in the Pasuk. And then they all say, and then they all say Kadosh. Concerning the verses themselves, there is a dispute among the poskim. Some poskim say specifically that the chazan should say kadosh at the same time as the congregation says kadosh. He should say it together with them. And what they're concerned about is that if you wait till they finish, he'll wind up saying it by himself. And you can't say ketusha by yourself. You can only say ketusha b'tzibu. Many poskim, however, say the exact opposite. That the chazan should say kadosh after the Tzibur has finished saying Kadosh. He waits till they've said to the end, Kadosh, 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 Hashem, Tzvakot, Maloch, Chol, Aretz, Kvodo, and then he says out loud, Kadosh, 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 Hashem, Tzvakot, Maloch, Aretz, Kvodo, and goes on to the next line, calls for them to say the next line. Why is that? In the last generation, both by Moshe Feinstein and Rabbi Yashar Be'er Zecha Tzadikim Levracha, both said that the Chazan should say Kadosh after the Tzibur, but for two different reasons. But Moshe was mostly concerned about the nature of Chazarat Hashatz. The Chazan repeats the Shemon Esrei. Kedusha is part of the repetition of Shemon Esrei. The Ramam states explicitly, it's not something you say in the repetition. The Ramam says, when the Chazan gets 
to the third Bachad. This is the Nusach of the third Bachad. It begins with the word Nekadesh. And therefore, Moshe said, since it's Chazarat HaShatz, the din of Chazarat HaShatz is that the Chazan should say the Chazarat HaShatz out loud. So, Kadosh is part of the Chazarat HaShatz. He has to say it out loud where people can hear it. Secondly, a practical consideration. Uh, if someone is in the middle of Shemon Esrei, so the Halacha is quoted in the Poskim, so he, two opinions in Tosfot, but the Halacha is quoted in most Poskim is that you're not allowed to interrupt your Shemon Esrei to say Kedusha, but you can be quiet and listen to the Chazan saying, and in that way, fulfill your obligation. Because of Shomeya Ke'oneh, one who hears is like one who has said. So you listen to the Chazan saying Kadosh, 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 and you have said Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. But for that, you have to listen. And if he says it to other people, nobody will be able to hear him. So for those two reasons, but Moshe said, Chazan should say Kadosh in a manner that it can be heard, which means to wait till everyone has finished and then to say it. The Rav, Yosheh had a different reason. The Rav claimed that the nature of Devar Shepikdushah is call, response, and repetition. The source of this is in Baruch where in fact the Paskim explicitly talk about does the Chazan repeat Baruch Hashem Mavorach Lilam Ve'ed after the Kahal has said Baruch. The Rav said that is what the Baruch consists of. Call, answer, and maybe summation or repetition by the Chazan. This also answers the question how he can say it by himself. It's not said by Chidut, it's not said in private, only in public. This is called in public. The fact that he's saying it and no one else is saying it at the same time, but the structure is, it, it's, like a, it's like a duet, it's like a, a symphony orchestra where different, different instruments have different parts, but the, the whole is the whole, is put together. You don't have to say it together to be saying it bitsibu. The Raposkin, the, the Mishnabura, was, was uncertain about this question. Um, but as I said, two of the greatest poskim of the previous generation both agreed the Chazan should say it afterwards. That's not the common minhag. Uh, and there are two opinions, but I'm simply quoting the halacha, the halachot in the names of those who have said it. That's it for today. You've been listening to the shiur of HaRav Moshe Tarragon in Essentials of Avodat Hashem. We'll be back tomorrow in the shiur in Brachot, Hilchot Brachot, Halacha Bagada, which I will be given. You've been listening to KMTT. Ki mitzion teitzei Torah udvar Hashem Yerushalayim. KMTT is the Torah podcast. Your chance, an opportunity to be koveya itim la Torah, to learn every day, try to give a good share, half hour a day, 40 minutes a day, every day, to learn Torah, and to grow in Torah. And this has been Ezra Beck wishing you call to till tomorrow. Bibakat HaTorah Nitzion. This is KMTT from Yeshivat HaRetzion in Eretz Yisrael.